Welcome to the Rock of Grace Cortland Campus Podcast, where we aim to lead people like you to follow Jesus together. We have a new podcast each week with a message that is prepared with you in mind. So here's this week's message. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, if I haven't had the honor of meeting you earlier, my name is Dave Brock, and I'm the pastor here at Rock of Grace in Cortland. And uh, I hate to break something to you this morning. Uh, but I do not have $10,000 to give each of you right now in this exact moment. Uh, but this moment, we are going to take a look at debt. Like, why did he just reference that? It's, we're talking about debt today. Because if you've been here for the last few weeks, you know that we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. And we've been kind of going through all of these things. And while we're taking a look at debt, we're not going to be looking at that financial kind, but the spiritual kind of debt, the kind that weighs deep on each of us. See, when we create an offense from another person or against another person, we often create a deficit in their lives where something is taken away from them. And this often happens to us too. See, have you ever felt owed something because of how another person treated you? Maybe another person treated you poorly so you felt they owed you one. Sometimes you might even say, hey, you owe me one. But you know what I'm talking about. Where somebody does something that upsets you, offends you, insert how you feel there, and you just feel, you know what? The way you made me feel, you owe me. You owe me. I know I felt that way before. But see, as we've done in this past few weeks, as we continue to dive into what it means to have that forgiveness for an offense, we need to take a look at what the Lord teaches us to pray. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, you can open up to Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. We'll have it up here on the screen as well. And here's what Jesus said to the disciples when they said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. He said to them, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us, and do not bring us into temptation. A couple weeks ago, we were reminded how this prayer is not a ritual, but a template. This isn't something we just pray at funerals or at big moments of somebody's life, but it is a template for what our prayer life should continue to look like. So we take a look this week at the line that says, forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. See, as I said earlier, offense creates a debt. Or at least it feels like it. You offended me. You said something to me. You owe me this. But this morning, there's a reminder that forgiveness is a sign of God's grace at work. Forgiveness is a sign of God's grace at work. It's a sign that God's love has filled our hearts. And when it does, it covers a multitude of sins. That's scripture. To not just in my own life, but how it is expressed to others. The way we forgive somebody is a, a piece of how we love another. And I know we've talked about love a lot this summer. We talked about it when we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit. We talked about it earlier this year. 
And the way we forgive is evidence of God's love because it's evidence of God's grace. And the two go hand in hand. So if we're talking about how forgiveness is a sign of God's grace at work, then we need to take a moment of what it means to love another person to the point where we have grace for them. So we find ourselves in the classic love chapter of the Bible. Uh, you might have seen it at a wedding ceremony, might have been in your wedding ceremony, but it's not exclusive to the romantic kind of love. So as you guys open your Bibles to chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, looking at verse 4, we need to see how this love is not just applied in a relationship with the person we are in love with, but in all aspects of our life as a follower of Christ. See, 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verse 4, says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. It is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. It does not keep a record of wrongs. See, love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. And when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. See, now I know in part, but then I will fully, I will know fully as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, patience, kindness, the lack of envy, pride or arrogance, and the list goes on. We realize that these sound incredibly similar to the fruits of the spirit that we have covered already. And see, this shouldn't shock us as Christians that Christ is consistent throughout all of Scripture in how we're supposed to love one another. So just like we talked about the fruit of the Spirit, that they apply to all aspects of our lives, including love, this also applies to our spiritual life when we pray through the template of the Lord's Prayer. Because if we are to love one another, we have to forgive them. If we are to love one another, we have to forgive them. See, when we are young in our faith, we talk like we're young in our faith. And if you're sitting in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, you don't understand. I can't forgive this person. You don't understand what they did. You don't understand what they said. I can't forgive them. Then I want to challenge you to spend some time, as we should be as Christians, growing in our faith. Because if we find ourselves saying, you don't understand, I can't forgive this person, then we are not where we need to be in our spiritual maturity. Because the spiritual maturity within us, as scripture talks about here, when we're young in our faith, we talk like we are young in our faith. That means that I'm saying, I can't forgive this person. See, Christ loved us first so that we could extend that love to others. And if we're saying, God, you can forgive me for anything, then guess what? I have to forgive for all things. The Bible doesn't promise that's easy. I never said it's easy. I've had many times in my life where forgiving an offense is incredibly hard, and sometimes it is a constant battle. 
I know what it's like when you have those things that somebody said to you that every time you see that person, you replay that conversation. I know what it's like when you have that situation that occurs that you can't sleep because you keep playing that over and over again. We have to get to a place as followers of Christ that we are able to release those things to him. And sometimes that means something needs to change in here. It's not somebody else's responsibility for me to forgive. See, we must make sure that we reach a place of peace with our debtors if we want to be right before God. We have to find a place of peace with those who have offended us. Peace. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26 says, You have heard it said to our ancestors, Do not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. So if you are offering your gift on the altar, and there you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled with your brother or your sister. And then come and offer your gift. Reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on your way with him to the court. Or your adversary will hand you over to the judge and the judge to the officer. And you will be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will never get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Jesus wants us to be able to find peace. So sometimes we, we can read some of this and talk about how we need to reach a settlement quickly with your adversary while you're on the way with him to court. What does it look like to find peace in your life? Especially with those that have offended. What does that look like? So now, here's the thing. The other side may not provide reconciliation. They may not provide reconciliation, but you can still honor God by following through with what he asks. For those of you with kids or remember some elements of your childhood, you remember doing something against a friend, a cousin, maybe your sibling, where mom or dad said, now go tell them you're sorry. Stomp on over. Nick, I'm sorry. You've known it. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe your kid has done it. I'm sorry. You're like, are you really sorry? You as a parent now know, yeah, no, you're not sorry at all. But see, that's not what Jesus is looking for us to do, is grunge on over and say, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. Jesus isn't asking us to be forceful in saying, I forgive you, and then not actually do this, because we know if I'm saying, I'm sorry, like that, do I really mean it? Is it really being applied in my life? Do I actually mean that I am sorry? So the same thing comes when I have to forgive somebody who has offended me, who has done something against me. I have to find a way to have peace when somebody offends me. Does that take away maybe the pain that was said? No. Does that take away a repercussion of what was said? Most likely not. But you're not in control of the repercussions. You're in control 
of how you respond. You're in control of what you say. And believe it or not, we're in control of the things that are in our hearts. And sometimes that means when I reconcile with somebody, when I say I forgive you, even though it might be a process for me, they might never find that place. Because how many of you guys know oftentimes an offense is two ways? See, Matthew continues to say in chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you, take away your shirt. Let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks. And you don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. See, forgiveness sets me free. Not just that person. Forgiveness sets you free. Not just that person. See, we talk about the bondage of sin. We talk about the bondage here of holding on to another sin. Ironically, when I don't forgive, I'm living in sin, and it continues to trap me. See, unforgiveness hinders my progress in becoming who God created me to be. Unforgiveness creates a prison that I become trapped in by my own heart. It is in this prison that we find a growing pain within us. I don't know anybody who has spent some time in prison and said, man, that was a great time in my life. It was a good season. Just the food, the, the atmosphere, the camaraderie, it was fantastic. See, unforgiveness creates a prison that we can trap ourselves in by my own heart, by my own mind. And it's in this prison that we find that growing pain, that pain that grows more and more. See, as we talked about with the fruit of the Spirit, where love produces love, joy produces joy, these fruits continue to bear one another, it also happens with the fruits that destroy us. I want to call them fruit, though. It rots. There are many elements of our lives that, that rot will continue to spread like a prison that we trap ourselves in where our bitterness grows stronger and stronger and stronger. That's why the phrase says bitter old man, not bitter young man. Because we don't find ourselves in a place of severe bitterness in our young 20s or as our teens. But as life continues to go on, as we continue to harbor bitterness inside of our lives and we don't properly deal with it, we don't make sure that I am providing grace and forgiveness even though I don't feel like it, that bitterness continues to grow. That bitterness continues to grow. See, when my mind is focused on who hurt me, I can't see who is hurt around me. I want to say that one again because I just really believe it's such a powerful truth. That when my mind is focused on who hurt me, I can't see who is hurt around me. Because I am focused on my pains. I am focused on the things that are keeping me from who I want to be, even though I'm the one harboring it. 
When I'm focused on who hurt me, I cannot see those who are around me who are also hurt and need to see the love of Jesus. These are the people who I could be praying for, who I could be ministering to, the people who I can go out of my way to show them God's love. So I have here a projector in front of me. How many of you guys have ever seen one of these ones before? Ooh, it's echoed on there. You guys can hear that, right? I think it's louder. I'm going to try to not hit the, uh, all the pieces inside of this. But see, here's the thing. When we watch a movie, I, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. See, sometimes we find ourselves in a place that we keep playing the scene over and over and over again. Maybe you're the type of person where you play out the conversation to the point where it's a completely made-up scenario now, and then you're angry because of the made-up scenario in your head. Have you done that? I can't be the only person where I say, you know what, this person just really said this, and if they say this, I'm going to say that. I can't believe they said this. This really offended me. I can't believe this is happening. And it continues to play over and over and over. And see, that is the trap that the enemy has for us. Where we can play this old movie over and over and over again. And the sounds of what we are experiencing continue to drown out the voice of God. They continue to drown out the Holy Spirit speaking to us. What is it like if we stopped letting that movie play in our lives? What would it be like if we stopped letting this thing repeat over and over and over again? See, don't let Satan play that old movie over and over again in your life. Stop the movie and let God fill your thoughts with things that are noble and praiseworthy, kind and thankful. If you're somebody in this room and you're saying, Pastor Dave, you really don't understand, I'm struggling with this being offended thing. I'm struggling with letting go. I'm struggling with all of these things. There's a book out there that I would really want to encourage you to get. It's called The Bait of Satan by John Bevere. And I just want to share three quotes with you guys from this book. And the first is this. It says, many people are unable to function properly in God's purpose and calling for their lives because of wounds, hurts, and offenses in their lives. See, many times we let those pains keep us from where God wants us to go. It's kind of like if you ever injured your foot. I'm about to injure my foot. My uh, shoe is untied right now, apparently. Just saw that. Maybe you've injured your foot or your leg in a way that you can't do certain things. but eventually just becomes the excuse for not doing something. The next quote is, being mistreated does not give you permission to hold on to an offense. Two wrongs do not make a right. And last, Satan hopes that we will take his bait of offense so that he will have a foothold in our lives. Church, we cannot let offense own a space in our hearts. 
We cannot let offense continue to dwell within us and fester, grow. And as I said, you might feel like this is an ongoing battle for you. You might hold grudges or often replay the movie of people offending you. But I want to strongly encourage you to check out this book and continue to grow in this. Find somebody here or somebody in your life that you say, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Can you help me overcome this? I know this is not what God has in store for me. See, Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 8 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. See, whenever I give love and grace to someone, I am sowing in the Spirit. That means not only is that person blessed, but I am blessed too, according to Scripture. See, God sees the good things we do. And they are not done in vain, but they are for his glory. But his glory also in return blesses us as we seek to bring blessing to his name. See, when I do this, I will eventually reap a harvest of love. And if I sow grace, I reap grace. If I sow grace, I will reap grace. So the final point today is forgiveness of others is required for me to be forgiven. You see that in that prayer. See, when your heart is filled with unforgiveness, then there is no room in it to receive God's forgiveness. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who have a debt to us. I want to share a story with you guys. And this is one of the costliest requirements of Christ-like love. To love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you, as we see in Matthew 5. And seeing what this looks like in our lives. So there was a woman named Nadine Collier, whose mother, Ethel, was one of nine victims in a 2015 church massacre at Mother Emanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Given the chance to address her mother's killer, Nadine choked back tears as she forgave him. She said, You took something very precious away from me. I will never get to talk to her ever again. But I forgive you and have mercy on your soul. If God forgives you, I forgive you. See, maybe it looks like loving people even if it is hard. I can't imagine the faith that Nadine had walking into that conversation, walking in to look at a mother's killer and saying, I forgive you because God forgives you. I'll be honest, I would struggle with that so very much as you're all probably sitting in this room saying, I don't know how she did it. But the truth is we do know how. She did it with the love of Christ, the power and the strength that only he can provide. And see, this is the hard, hard truth as Jeremiah comes on up, that we must let others 
off the hook, if you will. We must release the offense. We must let it go because if we are to forgive others, as God is asking us to, saying, God, forgive me as I have forgiven others, I have to be able to let it go. I have to be able to remove their debt to me. If we want God to remove our debt according to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 14 through 15. He said, for if you forgive others their offenses, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive others, your Father will not forgive your offenses. See, this isn't me being extreme in what I'm saying or stretching anything. God made it clear. That's how important it is we forgive others. It also helps us understand the weight of the forgiveness God shows us. See, Jesus is telling us that we must forgive others. Because if we cannot forgive others, then we are living in active sin. And we see what scripture says. This means that that grudge we hold on to, the bitterness that we won't let go of, the hatred towards another person for whatever reason is causing separation from us and God. See, when we capture the heart of God in our own lives, we must live aligned to it. When we live aligned to it, we are choosing to live a life where I let go of the offenses against me, the debts that are made towards me because of the words, the actions another makes or says. No matter how hard it may be. And maybe you've never done that promise you, the more you do it, the easier it gets. Because the more then you understand and walk in the grace and forgiveness of our Lord. But that first time is not easy. The second time is not easy. I don't think there's ever going to be a time where it's not easy. But if I'm going to build up a spiritual habit something that I can do over and over again, it's that. Because I can't control when another offends, but I can control how I release. So here's how we're closing today. I know we're, we're concluding a little bit earlier. Nobody's ever upset at that one. It's always the other way around. But we are going to take a moment. And as Jeremiah plays in this room, we're going to take a moment to ponder. We're going to take a moment to sit back and reflect. Because I'm going to provide some tangible ways that we can move forward with some of these offenses in our lives. Saying, God, I want you to forgive me, but I know I need to forgive this person. 
I know I need to let go of this offense. I know I need to stop letting this movie play over and over again in my life. The first one can be simple. Maybe write a letter outlining how you feel towards that person. Then you can burn it or you could send it. See, sometimes those who are holding a fence against us might no longer be here with us or might not be in a place where I can reach out to them. But that does not mean that you cannot forgive that offense. So write that letter. Lay out how you feel. And said you could burn it or you could send it. You can aim for reconciliation because we have a God who restores The next one is you can go to that person who has offended you. And just be honest. Not, don't be rude in your honesty, but be truthful and humble in your honesty. Of saying, I feel you've wronged me when you blank. But I want you to know that I forgive you and I will not hold that as some sort of debt or you owe me card. And that I want to forgive you. But I also want you to forgive me for my part in our broken relationship. And not forgiving you sooner. That part's hard. You can say, I could have been more understanding. I could have been more kind. I could have been more open. You ever have one of those apologies that turns into a two-way apology? And you're crying and embracing each other? Maybe not. But then there's the practice of making an internal commitment to yourself to forgive quickly and to give grace. And that's a, that's a true, true, challenging spiritual practice to learn and commit to forgiving quickly. Because the quicker we release, the less I've held on to. It's kind of like a burning coal or that stove that's hot. What do you do when you touch it? Maybe on accident. I've got a nice burn right now on my uh, pointer finger from our toaster oven. I didn't stick my hand in to get, I think it was a bagel, I don't know. I was being nice to my wife and I burnt myself. But I stuck my hand in and I just nicked the top of it. But what do you do when you touch something that is hot and burning? You retract quickly, right? Because what would have happened if I left my hand in there? Like a big old dummy, just like, yep, here we go. Stuck it up there, it's nice and hot coil it would have continued to spread the burn. If I held it there long enough, I probably would have lost a finger at a certain point. But that's how bitterness, that's how the lack of forgiveness grows inside of us too. Where if I don't learn how to forgive quickly, how to release it to God saying, I cannot hold on to this. This will destroy me. And if you've let something hold on to you and grasp it long in your heart, you understand what I mean by it will destroy me. But if I don't learn to release it quickly, it will continue to grow. It'll continue to burn. It'll continue to destroy. 
So here's the thing, it isn't destroying the thing that burned me. My hand being stuck on the toaster oven would not destroy the toaster oven. It would destroy me because I didn't let go. I didn't release myself from it. We have to release ourselves from the thing that is growing inside of us, that we can release the offense that another has given us. And that's hard. That is so, so hard. See, as Jesus said, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. So with where you are right now in this room, I just want everybody's eyes closed, the head bowed. And we're going to come before the Lord in prayer in just a moment. But the first question I have to ask is if there is anyone in this room with nobody looking around, just saying, Pastor Dave, I haven't asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins, but I need to ask him for maybe the first time today, the first time ever, maybe the first time in a long time. Would you just slip your hands up? Just, that's just for me to know. And if you're joining us online, send us a message saying, today I choose to follow Jesus. And I want to pray this prayer with you. And there's nothing magical about this prayer. There's nothing special about it other than honesty of coming to God and saying, God, forgive me. Help me to forgive others. So Heavenly Father, we just come before you right now in humility and all of who you are and everything you've done and have in store for us. God, I just ask that you forgive each and every one of us in this room for anything that we may have done against you, the things that are known and the things that are unknown, where our hearts may be right or unright with you. God, but I ask right now that you continue to transform each and every one of us in our hearts and our souls that we can develop a practice of quick forgiveness so that we don't harbor onto bitterness, we don't harbor onto the things that are not of you, but that we can release all offenses to you. God, renew us, renew our souls, renew our minds so that we can yearn to be more like you each and every day in your perfection. God, I pray for those who are in this room who are struggling to release, who are struggling to let that offense go. That even now you continue to work inside of their hearts and prepare them for the peace that comes from releasing. God, allow this to be a regular practice in our lives, even though we don't look to have those moments. Let each time grow easier and easier to follow you and to exemplify you with what it means to forgive quickly.
God, I ask for peace in this room, peace in offenses, peace in all the burdens that may be present, that we can truly give them to you so that we can put you and your ways first, so that we can live the lives that you have in store for us, free from repeating that story, that offense, but free to go forward, record and play in the promises that you have. We give these all to you this morning. We love you and we praise you. And in your name, all of God's people said, amen, amen. Rock of Grace, I pray you don't have many opportunities to put that into practice. But when you do, I truly pray that we learn to release these offenses quickly. May God bless you. May you have a rest of a day that is great. Enjoy the nice warm weather as we conclude August, which I cannot believe. God bless you, and I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. If this message impacted you or you would like to get in contact with us, you can visit us at www.rockofgrace.org. Also, be sure to share this message with a friend or subscribe so you never miss a message. God bless.